not woke. Make that clear. Awake, not woke. Hello and welcome, initiates, to another episode of the Awake Not Woke podcast. My name is Sarah, and this is episode 42. We are going to be talking about John 14 from the Bible. Specifically, a lot of our conversation will be centering around John 14, 6, which is a specific verse that is often quoted by Christians. It is, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can go to the Father except by me. So we're going to be breaking that verse down and the whole chapter down and really talking about what we interpreted it as, some video interpretations that we found, and breaking down the meaning of the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to be breaking down I am, lots of really interesting stuff. We'll have more Bible episodes to come, so if there's any specific chapter or verse that you'd like us to explore and talk about, let us know, and you can let us know on Instagram. We are at Awake Not Woke Podcast. Give us a follow on there. And we also have a website, awakenotwokepodcast.com. We have a contact page on that website. So you can send us an email if you don't do social media. But it would be really appreciated if you also left us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Helps get the podcast out to new people, new Awake Not Woke individuals, help spread the love. And while you're there, make sure you hit follow and subscribe so you see our episodes come out every Sunday at 4.44 a.m. and you get notified for that. I don't want you to miss out because we have a lot of really interesting episodes to come. And if you are really, really enjoying the podcast, check out our Value for Value merch shop on Etsy as of right now. The link is in the show notes. You can get some cool merch or just donate to show your appreciation to the show. We might even shout you out if you give a little donation and we would really appreciate that. So do that. And also check out my co-host Chas's Etsy shop, 5D Impressions. She makes hand-stamped jewelry, apparel, all kinds of really cool stuff. So check her out as well. Support her, support the podcast. And yeah, I think that's all I need to remind you of. So without further ado, let's get on to episode 42 on John 14 of the Awake Not Woke podcast with your host, myself, and Chas. Enjoy. Hey, welcome back to Awake Not Woke Podcast. This is Chas and Sarah. Hello. And today we're going to kind of be playing off, if you listen to our previous episode on words, we're going to kind of touch on some of the things that we mentioned, which is why we did that one first. But today's episode is going to be specifically on John chapter 14 from the Bible. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole lot to unpack in this chapter, um, really in the Bible entirely, if we want to take it that far, but it's too much of an undertaking for one episode. So today is going to be about John chapter 14. We're going to cover some of our impressions, interpretations, but also some other interpretations that we have both researched over time in preparation for this. Yeah, this is a... Topic I've wanted to do for a little while now for a bunch of different reasons. Main reason is the Bible is beautiful. It's interesting. It's full of esoteric occult knowledge and we should study that. I Not necessarily everyone, but if you're interested in spirituality and you're from the West, probably should study that. Right. 
and I say we as in like me and Jess, <laughs> <laughs> but that is one of the main reasons why I wanted to study this. But another reason is because this particular passage and particularly John 14, 6, I believe is the... That's like the main. Is the main the one. Yep. That passage is often cited by Christians to me on Instagram <laughs> uh, as proof that Jesus is the way the truth and the life and that there's no other answer but Jesus and that I should stop studying occultism Im- immediately. So I wanted to have a whole episode on that because I can't reply to an Instagram comment with everything that I think of about this topic. So I wanted to have a whole episode because it's, it's very, it's a very common passage. It's quoted a lot and there's a lot of very interesting information in it. So before we start, Chas is going to read it for us, not me, because I will probably not be able to read all the old-timey words, and Chas <laughs> will do a better job. And I am going to be reading from the NIV version, which is not as old-timey as KJV. A um, easier. It's a pretty widely accepted version. Lots of different churches, people use this version of the Bible, and I think it's really it's a lot easier to kind of digest, yes. especially if you're new to studying the Bible. Absolutely. I usually have like, I read the Bible. I have a Bible, but I read it on my computer most often. And yeah. I have like a tab open for KJV, a tab open for NIV. And yeah. then usually one that I'm like flipping through other yeah. stuff. So KJV, NIV, another version I like is the New Living Translation. That's one that I've personally been using a lot lately. But today we're going to be reading from the New International Version or NIV. So the verse that Sarah was talking about is verse 6. So I'll kind of give like a heads up before I get to that verse. But I'm going to be reading the entire John chapter 14 chapter because we are going to be talking about different portions of it throughout this episode too. So welcome to church. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise the Lord, church. The answer is praise the Lord. So you should say it back right now if you didn't. (laughs) Out loud. Out loud. (laughs) Okay. Um, John chapter 14, starting with verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas, which I believe was a disciple, Mm -hmm. said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way. This is the verse, by the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for the li- for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does, when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Great. Beautiful. Fantastic. The KJV version is quite different than that, which I was following along with, but the meaning can be pulled from any version and I really recommend using multiple versions yeah. when you're studying this verse and any chapter in the Bible but like you said the main girth of that chapter is when Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me so Chas found this really interesting YouTube video that only had like 200 views which was very individual with a capital u individual was the youtube i'm gonna link that in the show notes so you can watch that video as well but it did a really good breakdown using a lot of cross references Mm -hmm. in the bible of john 14 6 specifically so let's let's just start there let's get into it let's start there so the one thing that I want to start with is I am. Yeah. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am is all over the Bible, that Mm -hmm. phrase. Know thyself also talks about it. And one of the other Bible verses that this video pointed out is Exodus 3, 14, where Moses is asking God for a name to go tell some Israelites that God is here or just God's name. And God says unto Moses, this is the verse. And God said, by the way, this is kind of a combination between KJV and another version. Some of my notes are like that. Yeah. Where I'm like copying it down and I'm like, I think I just mixed two versions. So 
don't at me. But the verse is, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, say to the Israelites, I am hath sent you unto you, has sent me unto you. Yeah. This is why I didn't read that chapter. (laughs) Anyway, so God is saying, I am that I am. And that's his response as in my name is I am. Mm -hmm. So if we are using that understanding with of the phrase I am, I am the way, the truth and the life is also saying that God is the way, the truth and the life. And a lot of my notes for this episode has a lot of these weird like algebraic proofs type thing where I literally just have I am equals God equals the truth way in life because that's kind of what we were hinting at in our words episode so in the Bible the meaning of I am is God yeah but it is also I am is also the truth the way in the life therefore God is the truth the way in the life which is how proofs work in calculus or whatever So this is what we're kind of approaching here is this type of puzzle. (laughs) And I is defined as oneself. So this is coming again directly from this video that I watched and it really just resonated with me because a lot of these concepts I, I think come intuitively, but to have somebody break it down so specifically like this really helps put into perspective why the sentence from Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life, doesn't necessarily mean specifically Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, which Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but also it's not. (laughs) It's so confusing. One thing that kind of helped me mentally separate the two is the Bible specifically says, I am the way. It doesn't say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Like, that's that's not what the Bible says. It says, I am. And if you go a few chapters before John 14, John 8, this is why, uh, I don't know if I said it in this episode or the previous one, but I would really recommend reading the whole book of John for right. more context. But John chapter 8, they talk about how Abraham is the father. Abraham was like the oldest uh, descendant that everybody could look back to. But in the Bible, Jesus said, even before Abraham, I am. So this really Mm. goes back to this foundational principle of what I am is means and how that is God. Yeah. And I, I, that's really interesting too, that when you go back in that chapter, it says that because when you quote this out of context and even I kept my study mostly into researching things about John 14 and I didn't read the surrounding chapters as much as I should have. So therefore, even my knowledge of this and my study of this is taken slightly out of context. But it's especially taken out of context when somebody just says to you, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Period. That, although does bring some knowledge and understanding to your forefront, it doesn't give you a full picture. And if you're not already aware of how often the phrase I am is used in the Bible, you're going to take that as literally Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. Therefore, Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. But that's not how the Bible reads necessarily. It's definitely a story, but the words in the Bible were chosen very intentionally. And there are lots of different translations and 
understandings to take into consideration as well. So if you're reading like a storybook and it says like, John said, I am going to work. You That's, that's what's happening. Right. John's going to work. But when you're reading the Bible, you don't want to necessarily take it that absolutely because it's not just a story. It's about what's behind the story, what's in between the lines of the story. And what's in the between the lines of this particular story is this understanding of I am. And like you said just now, I am existed long before I am Abraham. Yeah. Anything. It, it just in the is. phrase I am. Yeah. So Jesus isn't necessarily saying I am as in like uh, I'm pointing to myself. He's saying I am is the way, the truth and the life. And I think one important thing to add before we get too far into this is I think we all need to remember or think about who Jesus is. So specifically in Christianity, the focus is on the son of God, uh, who takes, who takes away the sins of the world, who, you know, he, he died for our sins, all of these things, like this literal man. But you also have to remember that Jesus was a prophet, the prophet, if I do say so myself. (laughs) But if you read the old Testament, there's prophets all over the place and God would speak to these prophets. And then that's how these prophets would then give the message to the people and they would abide by the law of God. So back in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, specifically 18.18, God told Moses that he would send another prophet to Israel and, quote, I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I have commanded. So, yes, yes, the importance of Jesus, but we also have to remember that he's a prophet and I am is speaking through Jesus, which mm. is why the importance of I am is so crucial. It's in not this. Jesus's words. And I believe God. he says that in John 14 at some point that he says that these words are not my own. They're these my are father's. Directly, yeah. yeah. So lots, lots to unpack right there. But something that this video that uh, Chas sent me on YouTube really pointed out was the importance of understanding the definition of I. Yeah. So I is oneself or the individual. And this YouTube channel is called individual because they really break down this word and the understanding of you versus I, which is very, very interesting. Again, watch that video. I'm not going to perfectly recount a couple of them because he breaks it down in several. Absolutely. For sure. Um, that'll be in the show notes, but individual is a compound of indivisible and duality. Yep. You got that individual. So indivisible duality as in you cannot divide the duality that exists within. Dual is consisting of two parts. And this brings us to the understanding of dualism that we've talked about time and time again on this podcast. And it's in the Hermetic Principles. It's talked about in the occult all over the place. This feminine, masculine, black, white, up, down, as above, so below. That's what we're talking about here. And these energies exist within all of us. And the video goes on to quote Genesis 1, uh, 26. I, I, I wrote down 26 through 28, but I believe I only wrote 26 and 27. But 
Genesis 1 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female he created them. So I really like that. And I have read Genesis pretty much all the way through. That was one of the first things when I got into the occult in 2020 that I did because that realization that the Bible is probably really useful hit me. And I was like, let's start from the beginning. So that was one of the passages that jumped out at me when I first began showing interest in the Bible because I did notice that it blatantly tells you that God created us with this indivisible duality within us. Yep. And it kind of pisses me off a little bit because you always hear all of this gender inequality within Christianity. And I don't even know how you could interpret that as being legitimately just men, as in like penises. <laughs> because man can also mean mankind. And to me, it's very clear that this passage is referring to let us make mankind in our image. Right. And then it goes on to say, male and female, he created them. So it's not just men. And the whole women were created out of Adam's rib. That's a whole nother conversation. But like genetically, that's true also because of the XY chromosome situation. But that's a tangent. That's neither here nor there. But I is this duality that exists within all of us it's within men it's within women it is within you so if mankind was created in god's image and likeness and mankind equals men and women dualistically so masculine feminine masculine feminine but also like men have masculine and feminine within them women have masculine feminine within them so like both of us but also the energy within all of us so that equals mankind and then god's image equals male and female therefore god equals i am equals the individual Mm -hmm. so yeah (laughs) we're the whole, I think we could really spend a minute talking about this concept of indivisible, indivisible duality. This really, really got me. Like when mm-hmm. it first started getting into it, I could not recommend this YouTube video enough. And I think it's important to not just take everything from one source. At this point, I feel like we have both heard, watched, seen many sources. This one, though, in particular, was really profound to me the got the video yeah because this concept of indivisible duality makes so much sense in so 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 many ways but specifically when we're talking about jesus and the father or god you you read in the bible i and my father are one this isn't a secret we make Mm -hmm. it too hard and i just don't think that it's it's that hard it's Mm -hmm. right in front of us and if we just kind of viewed it through this lens of this idea of of oneness and not really making it too complicated with the Trinity and all of these different uh, ways to get to God, all of this stuff, we could understand that it it's just I am. That's it. I think back a few episodes when I was kind of having my epiphany of the whole, am is I Jesus Christ yeah. my Lord and Savior <laughs> kind of a thing? I 
it was really impactful for me. I felt very solid in in the saying that I'm not a Christian. I'm not an occultist. I'm not any of these things. I just am. And I think that was kind of the beginning of this seed that has now sprouted into this understanding of indivisible duality. Because now I understand that this concept of masculine and feminine exists within all of us. And if we are made in God's image, then it would make, it just makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's important too. We are made in God's image. We're not God. Correct. But we're made in God's image. Therefore, we are some sort of reflection of God. And that's why when you learn about like the micro and the macrocosm, we are the microcosm. God is the macrocosm, the as above, so, so below energy. And this, uh, this video talks about this as well with the height, the height and the and depth. depth. Yeah. And that was really interesting to me as well because I do totally understand why Christians can get a little offended about saying I'm God or that look within you for the way or whatever. If you're taking all this very literally because it does sound blasphemous if you're trying to say I am God, but we are made in God's image. And that's very important because if we were just made, if we were like God, I don't know. I can't even think of a different metaphor that would make a, make more sense that we are something so much lesser than God. I but think, we're made in his image. So we're a smaller yet equal version. And that's why the story within knowing oneself, the I am, that will bring you to God because going within and knowing the personal microcosmic story tells you the macrocosmic story. Yeah. And I think a more sensitive and potentially even more accurate way, I am God, but saying it is I am the gateway to God Absolutely. because that's what we all truly are. That's what Jesus was. Jesus was a prophet. God put the commands that the things into Jesus, literally his words were not his own. So I am God or I am the gateway to God. And I think that's kind of more what we mean when we say that statement and it doesn't come from a blasphemous, um, big headed right. sort of place. It, right. it comes from that idea that Jesus is the mediator. And if Jesus is man and a representative of, of us as man, human, whatever, then we are the gateway to God. And that's why going within works because the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. And when Jesus died, God sent the Holy Spirit to be the great advocate, like we just learned. And that advocate is the spirit that's within all of us. Yes. Yes. And if that spirit is within us and we have to go within exactly. and know thyself, we will know heaven. We will know God. So that's why this I am is so important because I am is the way, the truth, and the life. So you, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And it has to be you. It has to be you personally. It's got to be authentically you. And everybody's I am is going to look different. And that's the point. That's my whole thing with the God is infinite. Therefore, everyone's perception of God is accurate because we cannot know infinity. And that if he's infinite, there's infinite perceptions of God. So everybody's perception of God is accurate, even though it's unique. And that's that's the whole point. The the video that you sent me also goes into the word unique. That's what I was just going to say. It's, it's just so 
it just made it just hit so right (laughs) the uniqueness is one of the characteristics that god wanted each and every one of us to have i mean there's also i I can't remember if it's in psalms or proverbs somewhere in the old testament but it talks about he knows the, the number of hairs on my head I mean, that speaks to the uniqueness that we all have within us as individuals. But understanding that being an individual is the embodiment of having that individual duality. And that doesn't mean that we're not unique. That right. that means that we absolutely are. And we can all embody these energies or this principle of I am in different ways while still having a greater reverence and understanding of where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And another really interesting thing that video pointed out was going back to that uh, Exodus passage where God says his name is I am. Right. If God's name is I am in the first person, then in the second person, God's name is you are. So you are is the same as I am, which is the same as God. And I think that's applicable in any context. So when I'm saying you went to the store. Did you have a good day? I had a good day. We're talking about each other. We're talking about the same thing. Yeah. But we're both unique perceptions of the same thing. So that's why it is important to to love thy neighbor. It is important to do things that will equate to the most good in the world. That's why I've, I've I don't know how much I've gone into this on the show, but in my life, I've always had this thing where it's, it's important to look out for yourself. If everybody just looked out for themselves, the world would be a better place. And a lot of people will come at me and say, like I've had this conversation with Andrew Cipriano before. He's like, well, there's a lot of selfish people out there. If you looked out for yourself, there'd be a lot of people doing selfish things. But there wouldn't be. Because if you were truly within yourself and on that know thyself journey, that that search for the I am within you, then you would understand that I am and you are are the same thing. And I think knowing thyself doesn't take away from the greatest commandment of all, which is also in the Bible, and that's love one another. Mm -hmm. Because by saying if we all just worried about ourselves, it's not implying that we don't care for other people or care for one another. What it means is that I'm not comparing myself to you Mm -hmm. or the person down the road, and I'm not going to judge you or myself based on those things. Right, and... If you were truly aware of this self-knowledge, then being only concerned about yourself would include being concerned about other people. Because when you help other people, you are helping yourself, literally and metaphorically in this conversation. When you help somebody, whether it's like somebody drops, I don't know, a bunch of papers and you help them pick them up you're putting more positive energy out there in the world. Therefore, you are helping yourself because you are helping the environment, the energy that you live within, the karma that resides within you. You are are adding positively to that. So you could do good deeds that have zero impact on you personally. It's something I really like the idea of doing good deeds without credit. Yes. Because no one knows you did it. No one knows that it was personally you. If you were a selfish, egotistical person, you would want to get credit for that. You would make sure you got credit for that. It's like the people going and feeding the homeless and like videotaping them while they're doing it. Right. Or like, I mean, even 
all these uh, Christian retreats, they go build houses for African people. Like there's so much wrong with that on a level that like it's it's a good idea, but then you're going to this place and building a building for people and then just leaving them. And there's there's a lot of interesting negatives to these type of situations. And it's just interesting that it also, you know what I'm talking about? Those like, re- yeah. And I would say my understanding or interpretation or perception of that does vary in the fact that I do think that that is a pretty pure representation of loving one another and helping your brother and all of that. I do think that when done in the wrong spirit or with the wrong intention, that's where you can kind of get into that territory. But blanket statement, I, I don't know that I would go as far as to say that it's like, wrong or egotistical to do so no and i i don't think i mean like just the simple act of like churches sending people to build what are they called they're called like um sometimes they're called it's not like a mission retreat but mission missionaries are basically people that go and spread the gospel to communities in other countries that don't have an overwhelmingly christian um way of life or culture but but that's what i'm thinking of and i think from my personal experience the reason i have that like egotistical association with those types of things is because in this day and age and I, again i grew up with zero church actual contact right so when i see those it's always like popular kids in school posting pictures on instagram that they went to africa for like three days and didn't really do much help but they were there when there was a building built and, and they're taking you, credit from that that's where you get that that intention that exactly so i think again it's really important to take a look at the intention take a look at the action the words behind it and what's actually being done but the whole concept of helping one another is definitely never something to be like frowned upon right and the point of this particular aspect of the conversation is that we are all one yet your unique perception is what's important in your relationship with this higher and infinite intelligent knowledge or God. So when you are doing things out of the goodness of your heart and you are genuinely trying to put out a net positive energy into the world, that is benefiting you on your personal path but it's also benefiting others. Right. And you're benefiting yourself because we're all one. One of a kind. Exactly. So it's this paradoxical kind of conversation. I mean, I am is a paradox in general, especially in the Bible, because we are taking a sentence that, like I said before, when you're reading a storybook and a character says, I am doing this, you're not thinking, I'm doing that. But in the Bible, it's a story about you. So it's kind of in that first person, second person paradox land. So yeah, I have in my notes, God's... So we were talking about how God's name is also you are. And uh, Mm -hmm. oh, so from here, I think I I was taking notes from this video and... From here, the video kind of segues into a conversation about some some more words, but particularly it goes into a conversation about height and depth within. 
And it has a quote from Proverbs 25. It says, the heaven for height and the earth for depth and the heart of kings is unsearchable. Yeah. So from this, I actually want to pull up a different version of this quote because there was something in it. Okay. So in the New Life version, that same quote is, as the heavens are high and the earth is deep, so the heart of kings is more than can be known. So this particular way this one was phrased, because in the video that we were watching, it was using the King James Version, which is great. But sometimes it just uses such poetic language that it's hard to really grasp the meaning from a modern-brained American person. So... What this is kind of taking is, like we were saying before, the I am is God. And then the I am within you is this microcosmic reflection of God. We are made yeah. in God's image. So the as the heavens are high and the earth is deep, so the heart of kings is more than can be known. And kings are us. We're, we're humans on earth. So the earth and the earth is deep, the earth for depth. So we are thinking once again about this internal search. It's not the heights on earth that we are searching for. If we are looking too high outside of ourselves, and that's where I think a lot of the complications with things like Satanism and the do what thy wilt comes in and the, the golden dawn, like this, this power grab type energy comes in because they're searching for height on right. earth. And it's not without us that this power resides. It is within. And it's the deeper you go within that you will get closer to these heights of heaven. Yeah. And I think that can be when looking at the height and depth to be able to get from one place to another, you need to have that mediator. And that's exactly what Jesus was. And that's what we are. And again, that is why going within works because I and my father are one. I am with you in you. You are also in me. We are one of a kind. And to be able to um, not link those two, but I guess, get to or understand that you have to have that that mediator and i believe that is what also the holy spirit is for us because you know jesus doesn't walk the earth so in the bible jesus was the mediator but it even says i will send you the advocate the holy spirit which is the spirit of truth and that is what resides within all of us so i mean i'm not going to go out and say it because i don't really know my whole thoughts on the holy spirit yet and how that kind of relates into who, what, when, where, why, but I would venture to guess that the Holy Spirit would then be that mediator between us, human, and God, because it, it's not Jesus anymore. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and another thing I found, thought was really interesting with this conversation is I, as I was reading this and watching videos of these interpretations and this particular video with the individual guy on YouTube, I kept thinking of Carl Jung. And Carl Jung is some someone that I've been really interested in. 
uh, for a really long time just for his philosophy and psychology writings. And he gets very spiritual in a very logical way. He's not as explicitly spiritual. I mean, there's the whole like seven sermons of the dead and the red book that really go into some of his more esoteric writings. But one process that Jung defines and stood for was the process of individuation. And I kept thinking of this. So I looked up a definition of individuation from Jung and it was defined as the therapeutic goal of analytical psych, the process by which a person becomes psychologically an individual, a separate indivisible unity or whole, recognizing his innermost uniqueness, and he identified this process with becoming one's own self or self-realization. And those were Young's words. At least that was like a paraphrase of Young's words. So I found that really interesting because it was a lot of the same words that this guy was using in the video to describe this chapter and to describe I am. So it's interesting how someone who was in a psychological world and wasn't so much in this religious world came to the same conclusion. And I do believe Young studied the Bible, but just didn't talk about it as much because he didn't want to come off as like irreparable or uh, not a good reputation because this was like the early days of psych and they were kind of like, no, this is the way, not religion. So I don't think he wanted to say anything about religion for fear of losing his credibility. But it is really interesting how he came to the same conclusion that the ultimate goal of somebody who is seeing a psychologist is the same goal of someone who is trying to find God. So I thought that was really interesting and it adds a really interesting perspective to this conversation, especially for those who are more like left brain logical people, because it's the same journey. It's all the same journey. It's the know thyself journey. Yep. And I that whole concept, and I really just love that Know Thyself named their podcast that because mm-hmm. of what they do and what they stand for and facilitate to everybody through their work. But I think that concept of knowing thyself could not be more clear throughout the Bible. And that's why we are talking about this verse in particular. Mm-hmm. The knowledge of God is the knowledge of the self. It's the same thing. And one other portion, and I can't remember, I think it was in that same video, and I know he had other ones too, but it talks about um, the ego and the self. So we use the word ego, when we say like egotistical, we mean somebody that's kind of full of themselves. But the ego slash self is just I. So you don't necessarily need to be self-centered or negatively egotistical to be concerned with your ego because when you're knowing thyself, you're knowing your ego. You are knowing I am. So I thought that was really interesting too. It can kind of go back into that words conversation a little bit because it kind of shows that negative connotation that we have sort of put on that word, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't actually mean that at all. No, and I I think it's really interesting too that you brought that up because I'm getting into this conversation about I am and Jesus from an astrological perspective as well because the ego in astrology is kind of looked at as something to release often and not we'll have a whole episode on astrology eventually, but that's a big undertaking. But 
in the new age community and spiritual community as a whole, ego is something like ego death. You want to get rid of it. But your ego is kind of your sun sign in astrology. It's going to still have an impact on your overall self. You still have, you got to have an ego when you're a human. Because it is yourself. Exactly. And it may be a more surface level version of yourself. Whereas like your rising sign is going to be more of a, a depth of yourself. So that's why in astrology, a lot of astrologers urge you to find your rising sign because it's going to tell you more information. And the rising sign is also the sign of the first house in the zodiac, in your personal zodiac. So it's going to give you more of a map and of a way to understand yourself that's going to make the most sense for you. But the sun sign is you. And like we talked about at the end of our words episode, sun, S-U-N, and sun, S-U-S-O-N, have relative energies to them because they sound alike and they have symbolism that can correlate between the two. And I have another uh, John 10, 9 pair, uh, verse written down from, I again, think from this guy's video because he was just throwing so many good verses off of him. Like, these are all great. But John 10, 9 says, I am the door. And I think this is Jesus talking again. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So again, I am not me, like not Jesus. He's not saying Jesus is the door. Because if if this was an an instructional manual on how to find God, wouldn't you say Jesus is the door? Right. That's kind (laughs) of what I was saying earlier. The Bible doesn't, it would be different if the verse said, and Jesus said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because these are words from God. So he'd be speaking as if God was speaking through him. So he would say, Jesus is the way. Exactly. And have you ever heard the phrase, I heard this growing up, but use the test to take the test? No. So it basically implies that like, if you're taking a test, one question might be, what color is the sky? Multiple choice, blue, red, blah, blah, blah. But then maybe a couple pages later, it says the blue sky. Ah, mm-hmm. So you're using the test to take the test. And I think that can be said for the Bible too. Mm-hmm. It's not a test, but you it's can, a riddle. It's a, it's, it's a, cross, it's a parable. Yep. It's all of those things. And the answers are given all throughout. And that's why I said, I just don't think it's that hard. I mean, it's fine if you want to latch on to certain things, if that's what your whatever perception is, but I just don't, I think we've been making it too hard with all of mm-hmm. these religions and, in different churches Societies. and yeah. And all of these kind of crazy representations and it, it kind of makes this a, the goalpost to knowing God keeps moving as we keep evolving. And I just, it's not that it's just not, we are the gateway. God, Jesus is the gateway. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it can be, there's endless interpretations of the Bible, but some of the interpretations that resonate most with me is I am as in you are is a really accurate representation in my brain. But another representation that I find consistently like works out in my brain is Jesus thinking of Jesus as the sun in the sky, as well as the son of God, which I think could also just be the same thing because the son of God, the sun, God created the sun like in the sky. So still the son of God. Anyway, I really like that metaphor and interpretation as well, because if 
I am and if the Bible is a story of you and knowledge of self is the knowledge of God and knowledge of God is the knowledge of self and astrology is the study of self and especially like uh, your birthday astrology and your personal birth chart and stuff like that. That is a study of self as well. So therefore, when Jesus says, I am the door by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. If we're talking about the sun in the sky, first of all, the sun sign is the door to self knowledge. Again, the rising sign is going to be more useful, but the sun sign is that sign we all know. It's the sign that we say, oh, I'm a Virgo. Chas is a Libra. That is the door into the deeper, which is the moon, the rising, the rest of the classical planets, some of the, the more distant planets. That is the depth of the knowledge of self. But the door is the sun. So... That's another interpretation that really resonates with me is looking at this from an astrological perspective. I think it's a really interesting perspective for sure, just because of the different um, correlations and things that exist within the Bible that exist within astrology. It's not just necessarily this idea that they relate to one another, but that they kind of represent the same things. Yes. So... I have not done much personal research into that myself, but it it is for sure interesting to me. Yeah. And the more research I do, not that I've done a ton, but the more research I do in relation to astrology and the Bible, the more it just reaffirms that these are the same thing. And I believe astrology came, I and I can't say, obviously, historically, we can't say any of this for sure, but the study of the stars and the movement of the stars and the energy of the stars came way before Jesus from what I understand because that's how that's how we lived and the sun there were astrologers in the old testament for sure that was actually when it i mean there's a whole lot of different things in the old testament but it talks about the enchanters the astrologers all of those things so yeah i don't think astrology was like a post jesus right. development and i just say that because the story of Jesus is just another way and the the story of the Bible is just another way to describe the same thing, the journey of self-discovery, which allows you to discover God. So God is our template and the Bible provides us ways to individualize ourselves to know God better. And since God is infinite and God is our template, we are made in God's image, then there are infinite ways to represent God. So all of our individualizations, all of our self-discovery journeys are the same and different at the same time. And that is, again, that indivisible duality. It's, they're both true. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I was, I typed in stars and astrology into the Bible app just because I wanted nice. to see if there were any like verses that jumped out right away but it's going to take a lot more yeah investment than that yeah um one other thing that i wanted to mention too is this idea that it already all exists within us because that is something that i believe i mean why would we need to go within to find the answers if it wasn't already there Mm -hmm. so in john 14 verse 25 
I read it earlier, but it says, I am telling you these things now while I'm still with you. Also precursor, this is before the crucifixion. So the reason that all this conversation is happening between Jesus and, and his disciples is because the crucifixion is coming and he's trying to tell them when I'm not here, all of these things. So just if that wasn't clear or if you didn't know that, that's kind of what's happening. So it says, I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So fast forward, post-crucifixion, we need to remember who we are. That whole, I think that's like a kind of a new age sort of quote. It's also from The Lion King, remember who you are. (laughs) Yeah. Which honestly, in thinking about it, I was kind of thinking about all of the different like principles and relations that you could draw from the lion king but i didn't really go down that rabbit hole mentally but this idea that it all already exists within us can i just before you you go too far the lion king is the sun so because the lion leo is ruled by the sun and the symbol for leo is the lion and the whole story of the lion king is a story about the young child that it has to find himself and find who he is and tries to be king, but that doesn't work out. So it that it's interesting you brought up the Lion King because the Lion King is full of sun symbolism. It is the sun who literally the sun Mufasa whatever I don't remember the father's name is Mufasa. Yeah. yeah, the son of Mufasa finds himself. So it's just interesting that you brought that up because there's a lot of sun S U N symbolism in there, which relates to S O N son of God. Anyway. Yeah. Astrology things. I don't, again, I haven't done too much in research into that, but I appreciate the perspective and I do think it's very interesting. So with the idea of even, even the word, the advocate, I think is really intentional in this translation. And it's that, I think this was new living, but it's in NIV too. I'm not sure what it is in KJV. It might be called the comforter or something like that. What, what, uh, what it's verse 25 of or, or John, 26. John 14. Yeah. John 14, 26. But it says when the father sends the advocate or the Holy spirit, it might just be the Holy spirit in that one. I'm not really sure. Hold on. What verse? Uh, 26 i believe it says it in a couple of places the holy ghost but the comforter which is the holy ghost whom the father will send okay that's what the comforter was specifically advocate yeah yeah yeah. so the word advocate is and i just quickly googled the definition here (laughs) a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy so it's it's a form of support And when we are on this journey to know thyself, we can even bring in the hero's journey with this too. There's a lot of different things that's going to happen. We've got the steps of alchemy, the dark night of the soul, all of these different things. The fool's journey. Exactly. So, Which the fool's journey correlates with the uh, zodiac, the journey through the zodiac, Aries to uh, Pisces. Right. So with the advocate and the comforter, all of those things coincide with this idea that not only do we already have that within us, it's so we can remember. And another thing, this is kind of a sidebar rant, but I was kind of realizing the other day, the term Holy Ghost was used very liberally in the environment that I grew up in. And I just think it's kind of interesting that the term ghost, spirit, all of these things are used kind of together. Because when we think of ghost, it's a very like Halloween-y type of thing but also in a very Christian environment those things are really frowned upon but here we are talking about like the holy ghost ghosts are bad but not the holy one one. yeah like it's just 
here nor there, but yeah, I understand the frustration. It's though. very, it's just really it's interesting, a, it's and it's almost hypocritical. How did I like? I mean, obviously, I was a kid, so whatever. But it's just viewing it from an adult lens. It's just so different. And when it comes to these different sects of religions, you know, God talks about how He doesn't like religion, and this is why I just don't think it's supposed to be that hard. And I think if we all just softened to the idea that God is is everything. God is I am. I am. You are. And we also put down put down the cross of carrying this like <laughs> idea that we somehow need to be harder than Christians or we can't talk about Jesus in a certain way because that would mean that it's negating every single thing that we've ever stood for or learned as far as the metaphysical communities. I think that's just so silly because I think that all of this exists within the same place. Mm-hmm. And I think for a while I was kind of in that, I don't know, kind of like a denial sort of phase. But now that I've come full circle and really seen all of it it just doesn't have to be like that it's no it really doesn't and jesus in a way the christians are right in saying jesus is the way right but it's not in the sense of it's more complicated than that it's it's not it's not like a a storybook where you say this is this is the thing and it's the thing you're not just reading a simple story this is a knowledge of God of the universe of something so incredibly abstract that we can't actually put words to it so you can't just read a sentence and be like that's true and I think this is why a lot of different groups to focus a lot on the relationship that you have with mm-hmm. God because I am you are we are all of that so when you have that relationship with God you are naturally developing that relationship within yourself which is your spirit your Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost that resides within you that's your mediator to the knowledge of God, to that sense of understanding that indivisible duality. Also, the word indivisible holds so much more weight to me now. I mean, even in our, what is it, the Pledge of Allegiance, like Mm -hmm. the Indivisible. indivisible under God, whatever, like that, when you think about it from the Pledge of Allegiance, indivisible has this very, at least for me, it has this very strong, like, what God had put together, let no man torn tear apart kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it that way, there is no end. This could also be where infinity kind of comes in. There is no mm-hmm. end to the connection between God and us because we are the pieces of him. Yeah, absolutely. And another uh, passage from John 14 that really jumped out at me and made me think a little deeper about this. I am the way, the truth and the life is when Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus is very, to me, very clearly stating that, yeah, I'm doing a lot of great works, but you will too. You right. will do more than me. Totally. So it's not that, it's not that Jesus is this, metaphysical being that brings us to God through himself. It's the power that he has discovered within him that allows him to do that. That comes from God. Exactly. And it's, it's, and I do think there is a lot of, cause there's a lot of conversation even to be had about like, which I have no opinion about or knowledge about or facts about, but of 
the was Jesus a real person? Is this all an allegory? Is this a retelling of the story of Horus? Is this a metaphor for the sun? I don't really think the answer to any of those questions like actually matters. But if Jesus wasn't a real person and is a strict allegory for how to know God, then Jesus is this, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but it's not, it's not the person of Jesus. It's the energy that Jesus represents. Just like we were talking before about the energy between two words or the energy a symbol holds, like the energy of the color white holds this pure energy feeling. The energy of Jesus is this savior energy of this deliverance of this bringing to God type energy. And I just think of the Kabbalah again, which is another symbol for everything we're talking about, but a little more complex, a little more detailed, just a little different and uh, a little more Jewish. But the sphere of Tippereth is the sphere of the Savior. And that sphere is on the path of the arrow, which is the quickest path to God. So therefore, yes, through the Savior, we will find God the quickest. But it's, again, not the person or the being. And that's where I personally think that a lot of confusion comes in. Because when you are thinking anthropomorphizing this energy, it can be very valuable, but it can also just be very confusing because when you anthropomorphize, that's where like, I think a lot of this confusing the, isn't there something where he says like, I am the only God, like I am the one God or something like that. If you're anthropomorphizing that type of thought process, you think God is a energy or is a being and then Jesus is a being and all these angels are are beings and you're getting caught up in this like narrative that is existing without you. It's it's not within you. It's this whole story that is existing in another dimension in another realm and you're looking outside of yourself for this same with if you're looking for Jesus you, to save you and to bring you to God it's not going to you have to invite Jesus into your heart that's like the, the holy whole spirit thing. yeah exactly but if you are constantly looking for Jesus and trying to invite him into your heart you're never going to find him cuz that energy is already there it's already within you and it has nothing nothing necessarily to do with a particular being and everything to do with your own personal I am journey. Yeah. I think I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours because it was understanding this has been very eye opening to me, but it also has been very, I feel a lot more confident. You know, you talk about in the Bible, it talks about, you know, not being lukewarm not being in the middle. You're either hot or you're cold. And I feel like this has pushed me very much so into that hot <laughs> sort of category mm-hmm. of of belief and what I know to be true for me. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that my perspective is better than or right or wrong. Right. That's not the point. No. Right, right and wrong is... It's all about your personal journey. You can't distort the truth. No. The truth is God, spirit of truth. That's it. And if you want to look outside of yourself for that, I would 
really recommend understanding the correlation between Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God. That's where oneness comes in. And I know that that's something that we might potentially do an episode on right. one day, but I feel like it would also require a lot more uh, research for, for me. sure. But then there's also in, uh, in John 14 where he says, you know the way to my father's house. It's not that hard. It's, you already know it. It's, it's already within you. Where is it? Uh, I can't find the particular line, but it's, it's already within you. And it says it time and time again that, and I think it's interesting too, how Christianity often takes away the things. And this is, I think, a social engineer concept because you often hear, again, I say Christians quote the Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life as proof as to why Jesus, the person, the being, is the way, the truth, and the life. But that removes the power without into Jesus. But they're directly ignoring like six other passages that straight up say, you already know the way. It's already within you. Like there's like a million others that contradict the idea that it is somewhere outside of you. And I do think that is a social engineering, like Catholic church type conspiracy conversation to be had there because there's, there's just no way that these powerful churches have ruled for so long and they were given the right answers the whole time. They, they're just not, they weren't the, the, the churches as the churches. And I should say the churches as an industry, not just like your little corner church and pastor that you go to, that's fine. But the churches as a, I don't know the word I'm looking for as a authority. Yeah have existed for a very, very, very long time. Our country is literally founded on Christianity. And whether at that time it was a truthful form of Christianity or a distortion, I I don't really know. But either way, it's it's not even that it was founded on a truthful distortion or not. It's the distortions are there and they they have permeated our society and they have been permeating our society because prior to like tv and politics and hollywood the best way to control people was through religion so if you're just a normal townsfolk and you are being raised in a roman catholic area then you're gonna listen to the pope you're gonna listen to your catholic priest and if these elites and royalty have malicious agendas they're not going to tell you the right answers. They're going to tell they're going to give you the truth in the form of the Bible because I do believe their occult dark occult practices require them in some way to tell you the truth, but they distort it and they shoot pick and choose the passages from the Bible and from these truthful sources that will be the most misleading. So over time and just like in the semantics episode, over time these Passages which are so deep and full of rich meaning have been distorted to this hollow understanding that it doesn't have the meaning in it anymore when it's constantly regurgitated and regurgitated and you're told that this is how it should be interpreted. The interpretation, the the personal interpretation and the study of the Bible is where this knowledge comes from. It's right. not going to come from some pastor or some pope telling, telling you the yeah, answer. I agree with that. And for that's sure. like just thinking about my personal history. Like my dad was raised in a Catholic church. My grandma went to a Catholic church. I'm sure before them they were going to churches and, and 
religion was so valued by the people of I mean, the United States, but everywhere. So when you put so much value in that and trust in that, it's like putting trust in our politicians. You're just trusting them to tell you the answer. So you're just trusting the religious authorities to tell you the answer. And I think if you are going to surround yourself in any type of religious group, like a church, it's so important to know who is leading that group of people mm-hmm. and who 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 are you listening to in that group? Because these mega churches out there, it's literally like a rock concert and it's just such a it's such a blasphemous way I feel like to kind of tout this Christian sort of energy and I don't I mean I said God hates religion earlier and I think it what I mean by that is the control of people yes. through it you yes. know like the limiting gate gatekeeping of knowing and having that God connection but I think when it comes to these churches I don't think it's I don't think it's an all bad thing if you want to go to church and if that makes you feel good, especially if you have that knowledge and that connection. But I think you really need to be careful about who's leading you on this or who's leading that group of people because there are great people and leaders within churches. There are people with great intentions, um, as with anything, you know, but you need to be, you need to use your spirit of discernment. I guess, if you're going to surround yourself with this. Absolutely. And what is church? The church was supposed to be a Sabbath. It was supposed to be a day of rest and reverence for this power. Right. And it's now it's like two hours in the morning on Sunday. So you can call yourself a Christian and then you go back to your normal days. You might, you might even work that day. That's completely defeating the point of what the Sabbath is supposed to be. Right. And, Honestly, like Wicca and and witches have Sabbath down more than Christians because there's actual like legitimate ritual and thought and and energy put into that. That's what church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a ritual that allows you to go deeper within and doing that with other people can be can be helpful. Yeah. But anyway, so there's one more thing that I really wanted to hear your opinion about because I didn't do any research on this particular thing but it jumped out at me the first time i read john 14 and then i forgot about it and then i remembered it when you read it just now so at the very end of john 14 this is not no it is at the very end of john 14 it says hereafter i will not talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me what who is the prince is this like prince of darkness is this like the devil i i actually had a similar thought to this and i didn't dive too deep (laughs) bel-air sorry (laughs) will smith (laughs) (laughs) um i think just off a first glance and again without diving real deep into that i think it would be referencing the the ruler of this earth the devil because that's that's kind of where we are right now. I think that's why a lot of people believe we're living in hell. Um, I don't, that's a whole other thing. I'd believe it. Um, but I, I think the prince of this world, yeah, I think that would, I, I feel like it would, it would imply that. What verse is it? 30. I think that's really interesting too. Because the ruler of this world approaches. So is it, is there elsewhere in the Bible that says the devil is the ruler of this earth? I, th- I thought he was the ruler of hell. I think this is where different religions have the different, different understandings of it. And I, I would I would be very interested because if even if like what if the prince of this world wasn't was a different entity completely? What if it was like Moloch? And that would explain Moloch. 
the social engineer situation because the prince of this earth would be doing everything it can to control this earth. What if it's like the Anunnaki? What if it's it's like the Greys? Sorry, now I'm just going off on a tangent. And that now I'm trying to find who the ruler of this <laughs> <laughs> the world is. We were unprepared on this part, um, on this aspect. Yeah, I th- I don't I would have I, I want to say that there is some biblical reference to the devil being a ruler of the earth. Earthly desires maybe is a better way to kind of interpret that. Also, I mean if we're talking about the ruler of the world, ah god. I'd-, I'd be really interested to do more research into this and also keep in mind the possibility of Lucifer and the devil being different because oh, I read something about that that I meant to send you. I'll send it to you another time because yeah. I, it, it kind of broke that down in a way that I think is interesting and uh, I'd have to go back and read it for specifics. For sure. But I would just be interested because that would put in a lot more perspective because like if the prince of the earth is the devil versus if the prince of the earth is Lucifer, I think there's just different conversations to be had because like, or Satan, like there's all these different words and this comes back to our semantics and words episode from last week. The devil, Satan, Lucifer, most Christians are just like, they're all the same thing. But why would you have so many different words for the same thing if they're not subtly different? Just like the 96 words of love in Sanskrit. They don't all just mean straight up love. They are brotherly love. They are romantic love. They are the love of a child. They are a lot of different types of love. And they decided to give each of those types of love different names. Right. So why the hell, no pun intended, would the devil and Satan and Lucifer all be the same person if the Bible is so particular about the wordage and the importance of the meaning of those words. So that's just something I would we should have an episode on and do some more research on if the listener has any input into this particular aspect. Yeah. I'd be interested in it. Um, also, if in some crazy way the individual guy ever hears this, I would love to talk us, to you, us up. please. Yeah. <laughs> I am one of your that 227 would... subscribers. He's just listens to our podcast. Already. I don't know. Maybe like he'll get an alert when you, I don't know how the things right. work. I should just message him on YouTube. He was posting, he started posting videos in I believe 2019 or 2020 and then stopped last year and like hasn't posted a video since last year. So it's not super old, but also not super recent. More videos, more videos. I would love that. I also just think it's so incredible that this guy has like no followers when his esoteric breakdowns are so good. I don't know how you found this video to begin with. None of the tags are esoteric, occult, spirituality. None of the tags in this video. I didn't look for that though. I specifically typed in John 14, six interpretation. I know, but I did that too. And I did not find this video. I know I did John. I could probably find my search and, history, but, and all the videos I did find when I searched for John 14, six interpretations were very classical Christian pastors. I just priests. kept going. I did just, too. But like, I just find it interesting that you happen to find this unlabeled, esoteric occult he was god like he didn't say this is an occult interpretation of the bible this is an esoteric he didn't say that it was just i was watching it and then all of a sudden i'm like holy shit this guy knows what he's talking about yeah love it go watch that very interesting do you have anything else no i don't think so this was this was really really great this is super fun i really love this we will definitely do more bible episodes yeah to come and i hope this also gives listeners and, and anybody who you know follows the instagram a little bit more of a peek inside 
kind of where we're coming from spiritually and what we mean by some of the things that we say in a more in-depth look absolutely yeah and god bless god bless (laughs) god bless amen amen bye bye (laughs) so welcome to church praise the lord (laughs) 